I don't know if I should go there. <laughs> Wait, uh-oh, maybe that's the vulnerable part. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll probably, from our voices, describe you as being on the shorter side and wider. Okay. <laughs> right? And from, from my voice, right. they would describe me as being tall and lanky, um, probably. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, hey, that would be fun. And you would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong (laughs) welcome back to reason together the podcast for christians who think about stuff i am thomas here of course with my good friend daniel as always yes sir yep glad to be here how are you doing today daniel i'm doing pretty good I, i honestly i feel a little stressed but it's one of those situations where i don't feel like i can say that uh, and get any pity when you've just been through what you've been through. <laughs> I feel well, like, well, you've, you've probably been in surgery for hours, you know, and, and maybe somebody's life is on the line, and I'm like, oh, I'm stressed over some technological issues on the computer. Yeah. Oh, I, I, like, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple Wait, things. Like, you want a little cheese with your wine, Daniel? You yeah. Know, that's kind of... <laughs> couple, couple things. The surgery wasn't on me, so I'm actually feeling okay. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> and second, they were not like super serious surgeries today. Okay, so okay, no, uh, no big deal. No. Okay, <laughs> I just feel like I'm kind of skidding in here, like okay, yeah, that's I'm right. Ready. You're just flying in, like, like boom, here you are, yep. kind of like slide in your chair, and it kind of you know either that or I'm just hedging for having no idea what we're talking about today. I think we're <laughs> gonna have a good conversation. I was looking over the list, and I thought, wow, there's a lot of good thoughts here yeah. to talk about. Okay, well, yeah, we have some preliminary is, things. Yeah, as we get started, first let me thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together for your tremendous support of this podcast. We're so thankful for, for you and, uh, and those also that are the elite patrons that have chosen that elite level of support. They have access to the after show, the bonus show that we do each time. And so we want to invite any other listeners who are interested in what we're producing here. You like our conversation and uh, you enjoy being a part of this. Feel free to head on over to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, join in on that support. You'll also get to... Uh, priority in the asking of questions. You'll have your own kind of conversation board there that you can interact with each other. And uh, so again, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash reason together. Yes, thank you so much. And speaking of patrons, we do have an upgraded patron here today. Uh, Matthew is now uh, a, I forget what level it's called. There's standard. Yes, standard. I think we have standard premium and elite. Is that how that works? Yeah. And then I think there's also a student level, which is yes. which is student and teacher or something. Yes. And I think so, that's what Matthew great. was. Yes. And then he okay. upgraded now to standard patron. So. Uh, well, great. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, you can do that, too, if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash reason together. And you suddenly get an impulse uh, maybe a buyer's impulse and, <laughs> and and you feel remorse in some way for not having supported more <laughs> you can uh, you can always upgrade and become uh, an elite level patron if you like and go all the way That's to the right. top if you want so. if people in your life are beating you down you say no i am elite and you just go right. on and you sign for that elite patron level and okay now maybe that's a manipulation but anyway we could be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for your support anyway. Yes, we do appreciate it. Uh, on a different note here, it's been a while since uh, we've uh, gone over any iTunes reviews here, and I have a new review. Um, and the reason we point these out on the, on the podcast 
is to encourage you, the listener, to go over to our podcast page in iTunes or uh, whether it's Google Play Music or Stitcher uh, or SoundCloud, wherever you listen, look and Mm -hmm. see if there's a way to review the podcast. And the iTunes reviews especially help. Uh, That helps drive traffic to our podcast more than anything else. If you want to leave a review in iTunes, give us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. Uh, This person did. This is from a user by the name of... Father Bird, and mm-hmm. uh, it is a right. five-star podcast, uh, five-star rating here, and uh, the title is thought-provoking. He says, "I have never met either of these quote-unquote characters, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I would recognize their voices anywhere." Excellent content, relevant scriptural conclusions, honest and vulnerable, enjoyable and encouraging, real-life stuff. I look forward to new episodes while still trying to catch up on all the old ones. Keep it up. Wow! Well, thanks so much, uh, Father yes. Bird. I appreciate that uh, review. It's tremendous. Uh, well, well written, and I, it's encouraging. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. All right. Um, administrative details taken care of here. Let's uh, see what kind of content we can move into. You know, it's funny because uh, just one thought on that uh, review. He says, "I've never met either of these characters, uh, but I would recognize their voice anywhere." Um, I wonder for those people who listen even on a regular basis, but have never met us or seen a picture of us, how would they describe us from the, from the voice that they hear? What do I look like? Oh, man. That, that, that's what I want to know. Well, I mean, I don't know if I should go there. <laughs> oh, maybe that's the vulnerable part. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll probably, from our voices, describe you as being on the shorter side and wider. Okay. <laughs> right and from from my voice right. they would describe me as being tall and lanky um probably so okay okay well hey that would be fun and you would be wrong <laughs> <laughs> wrong it is, it is precisely the opposite isn't it <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm not the one who wrote the paper on the disproportionate guide, man's guide to pants, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so that'd be fun. Well, hopefully, okay. I'm not as disproportionate as I used to be. But <laughs> well, goodness, I mean, yeah, people are listening. And they're like, oh, "Wait, weren't weren't you the guy that's doing jujitsu and krav maga?" Um, you know, how, you know. So yeah, I mean, he he may be shorter than I am. That granted, but. I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Especially with all the dark alleys I hang out in, you know. I mean, I'm just <laughs> yeah, that, always right. in dark alleys. So you never <laughs> that's know. Right. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, getting to some content here. Wow. Um, where to start we off? Have a, we um, have a patron question yes, to start let, with here. Let's do that. Okay. All right. This one is from Elite Patron Tim. And he says... We would like to suggest the topic of handling your family members in the ministry in a local church. How do you balance the importance of keeping your family involved in the church's activities without falling into nepotism? For instance, some people see a pastor who retires and is succeeded by his son and say that smacks of an empire mentality and that a church should not have a dynasty. I believe each situation is unique And the church in question can be led of God to call the retiring pastor's son. But I also know this criticism can be true in some cases. Surely there are instances where a pastor's children are not held to the same standards as others. 
How did the two of you avoid this trap? Follow-up question. Do you think a pastor should keep himself and his family from close relationships with the other members of the church? It seems that influential or wealthy families in churches are often treated with favoritism, and a pastor may have difficulty dealing with those close to him. Thanks. And that's from Tim. Yeah, good good question. Um, do you want to touch on that first? Uh, sure. Just to define in case what listeners uh, might not know what nepotism is, um, right. kind of maybe defining it in my own words, I would say it's kind of the tendency to keep things in the family. As right. the saying goes, yeah, exactly. um, yep. <laughs> to keep leadership succeeded like a dynasty, like Tim describes here, and never really let anyone else into that uh, that leadership sphere other than than family. Um, <clears throat> so, in, in in some ways, he sort of halfway answers the question in the question. Uh, in a way, he says each situation is unique, and yes. that certainly there is uh, there are instances where the next generation in that family can be led of God to take the pastoral pastoral role uh, after the leader retires. Um, and each situation is unique. So yeah, I agree with that. But kind of the question that he asks at the end of that first paragraph is, how do the two of you avoid this trap? <clears throat> I don't know that I've had to think about it yet. Right. I haven't had to think about it as far as replacement in ministry. Um, uh, From what I have seen, I mean, my son is, my oldest now is 16. And, um, and, but, you know, obviously I want them involved in ministry. And there's some, you know, at some level, even just in involvement in ministry, uh, you want them involved in ministry. But I guess you, you do have to be careful, I would say at some point of, perception because as far as favoritism goes mm-hmm. like um i just but I, I don't know if that's so much an involved involvement as much you know i've heard of you know a pastor showing favoritism to his kids and of course that is pretty distasteful yeah um you know as far as well mine can do this the best and so i highlight this or i show them yeah. off or i give them this position um however <clears throat> at the same time if my kids are available and they're able and um and there's not somebody to fill a position, and I right. plug them in, that's not necessarily sure. a problem either. Well, because they uh, fill so a they, need, and sure. they were there, and they were qualified to do it. Sure, sure. But when there's multiple people to do the job, I might have, I'd have to be careful yeah. to not always choose my family members, uh, because I, I want other people involved anyway. Right. Um, so there, there certainly is a balance. I, on, a, on a ministry level, I have to say, personally, I've seen a number of ministries— with um, with a father-son, uh, where a father passes it on to a son. Mm-hmm. And I think the majority of what I have seen does not work. Uh, I'm just saying personally. I'm forced not to that agree. It, yeah, not that, I, not that it couldn't or that it could never. And I've seen a church that actually said no. When the, when the opportunity came available for the son to become the pastor, they chose no. So yeah. that was their choice. Um, so a church ultimately has the voting ability. A, a pastor, <laughs> by your constitution or bylaws, shouldn't essentially have the right to just set in his own replacement. Yeah. I mean, that should always be a church vote. Well, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't cut you off, did I? Go ahead. Okay. Well, I no, was going to say, I, well, my first thought was, man, I wish you'd said something there I could disagree with because that's more interesting. But, um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm forced to agree with what you said. 
uh, at least from an anecdotal standpoint, the instances that I've seen where the next generation, the son, takes over the ministry, <clears throat> for lack of a better word, at the you know the behest of the church, even if they agree with the succession, even if even if the church agrees with moving mm -hmm. in that direction, there's often a weird dynamic, and part of it is because um, <laughs> the kid grew up there. <laughs> Right, uh, and uh, so it's hard to ever see him as it's hard to ever see him as a spiritual pastor. leader, though mm -hmm. he may be qualified, though he may be mature, though he may be well versed biblically, though he may be astute as a Bible teacher and pastor. It's hard for people to really respect him. Maybe that's not the best word, but but it's mm -hmm. hard for people to get saying. on board with that because they watched this kid grow up and they watched I mean they might have wiped his nose when he was a little kid they might have seen him you know act right. out uh, you know and at the at you know mortifying his parents you know in church they might have seen these things uh, it's just difficult for people to not think of him that same way when he's now the now, spiritual leader now i will say to like in defense of a father being interested in his son, you know, mm -hmm. he might think, look, I mean, I've essentially poured, you know, a lifetime into this kid. I mean, his lifetime yeah. uh, into him. If anybody knows how I think and, and my way of doing things that I could pass on this ministry that I love dearly to, it would be, it would be my son, yeah. you know, especially if he's really engaged with you and you have a good relationship. But again, I don't know. I haven't honestly seen that work out in a majority of times, right. but I could see the pastor's perspective on it. But honestly, it may not always be good for the son to, you know, maybe right. say, you know, you need to, you need to find your own legs on this. If you yeah. feel called of God, you, you know, you seek the Lord's direction and you become a pastor and maybe down the road, you could even come back, but it's not the, the, it's almost the easier shift to say, yeah, sure. Just shift into this position right here in a place that you know, and you're comfortable yeah. with. And that may not be the wisest thing. Something you said uh, a little bit back there in, in what you were saying um, seems like that's almost the criticism, though, that people have of such a, a relationship is the pastor saying, you know, my son is really the best qualified person to take over this ministry because he thinks like I think and he knows my, for lack of a better word, agenda. Um, that's not the word you used, but that's kind of the, right. the thought that I would think a critic would say Yeah, is that, well, you're just trying to keep your agenda um, which well, is not necessarily a bad criticism if the pastor's agenda no. is the Lord's agenda, right? Right, and I would say I would go beyond agenda and say there's a philosophy of how do I handle people mm -hmm. and what's the vision for the ministry. It's not just an agenda; it's a it's a philosophy. It's a way of doing things. Why do we, you know, why do we feel the way we do about music right. or the youth ministry or our outreach or the primacy of preaching or whatever it is? Why do we feel this way about certain things? Well, that son. Now, that also brings up another point, though, is that many ministries, um, and, and not necessarily to their, I, like, that they're at fault for this. However, it's certainly something for many ministries to think about, I suppose. Uh, they don't have an assistant who is being groomed philosophically, you know, and, and to, to, to take over this. So basically, when pastor steps down, man, they're on a search for somebody brand new. Uh -huh. and, and it's kind of an unknown commodity. Yeah. Where, so in that situation, if a guy, you know, he's labored by himself in this church, the known commodity maybe he feels like he can pass on is yeah. his son. 
where instead of just trying to just strike out there and say, well, let's get a pulpit committee together yeah. and, and get these hundred resumes and try to tell in two weeks of preaching whether this guy is meant to lead our church. <laughs> yeah, it almost so. seems late in the game, doesn't it? Um, yes. It seems yeah. far better to bring someone in much sooner, uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, maybe someone younger, um, you know, right. m- very impressionable and teachable. Right. Um, so. Who's going to need development, and that's that's the good time, it seems like, to get him so that you can infuse your philosophy and your way of thinking into him. Yeah. Because a pastoral change to me is like a heart transplant, and... Um, and if it doesn't take, you know, you, you, it needs to take. And, uh, and it seems to me that the longer that, that secondary heart is there, the more he knows the people, the more they know yeah. him, the more he's had time to prove himself. He's grown. He's had time to ask questions. He knows the people in the nursing home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it, it just really is a smoother transition. Right. Um, but, but to go back to the issue of it being yes. the next of kin, um, <laughs> You know, I mentioned the earlier scenario where people have a hard time respecting him because they watched him grow up. But I suppose there could be another extreme with that also is that they might be afraid to criticize him (laughs) because they Uh, know whose son he is. Um, That I don't know if that's maybe more dangerous. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to quantify. But uh that would certainly be a dangerous dynamic to have because not only is that bad for the people, but I think that's especially bad for the young man if he has any um, call on his life to go forward in ministry anywhere. It's going to be a wake-up call if he ever does go somewhere else because soon he'll find ministry is not quite so easy. Mm, mm. That criticism is going to be out there. Yeah. He'll be shielded from it. Right. Like, uh, it's like almost in the Yeah, it almost makes him sheltered. And in a sense, you, you want to be exposed to some of that criticism, I suppose, though it's hard. It, it could be a learning experience where if he's sheltered from it, um, then, then there's a false perspective of maybe uh, the weight of his leadership or how well he's doing in leadership Sure. Um, because people don't want to speak up. And that, Develop a false confidence. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, and that, that, that brings another thought to mind, too, as, while we're kind of talking about the change in leadership here. Is that, um, you know, Pastor and I have talked um, about, you know, if and when, you know, Lord willing, if, if the tran- when, when the transition happens uh, between him and me, uh, the day, you know, the day that that transition happens, uh, although it's happening slowly, but it, in, in, in actuality, when it is stated to have happened, everything changes and nothing changes, um, because you know, on, on the on the important things, on the philosophy, on the direction of the church, um, nothing changes. I mean, doctrinally speaking, you know, I've been here for over 16 years. Um, you know, we, we, we've had talks, we've, you know, I've preached, and he's preached. Anyway, so we should be on the same page Yeah. Uh, with, with these things. However— Well, you are uh, essentially we, the example that you brought up a minute ago, in a way. I mean, yes, you're— Yes, of the, of the conditioned heart, essentially, being groomed for— for the transplant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've been there a long yes. time. Right, right. And and at the same time, though, everything changes because I'm a different personality. I'm a different leadership style. I have a different sense of humor. And so the way that I may interact with people or the things that I might stress or highlight uh, in my my mode as I move forward is going to maybe strike people differently than what they've been used to for the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, and so... I almost wonder if that, on, on one hand, you go, oh, maybe that's a dangerous thing, because people will say, oh, I like I liked the old one, I, I like the new one, you know? But I almost wonder mm-hmm. if that change, if that difference in personality can be a good thing and can be helpful, 
uh, especially if the two transitioning can can work well together through and after the transition. Yeah. So that so that people who loved the old leadership they stick around because they notice that he's still around, and yet the ones who love the new leadership, you know, can can continue well, and they they can see that hey, we can we can be together here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if it's uh, anyway, so yeah. so going back to the the nepotism issue, um, I, I suppose it has a has a a bearing there. It depends on I guess what the personality of the sun is that's coming up. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, I mean, to get to the immaterial part of it, perhaps. Ultimately, I think what nepotism represents is an unwillingness to let go, an unwillingness to cede control. Yes, to, if that's what it is. If it's nepotism, it yeah. is a, it's a control issue. Because the desire in nepotism is I, I can control my, my son, so mm. I can let go of the oh. control of the church, but give it to my son, who I can control. <laughs> um, or, or it's just, yeah, or it's control um, in a different direction, maybe saying, well... I can at least set my son up. Yeah. You know, I, hmm. I, can, I can provide something for him, and that I've made this ministry here, and now I can give it to him as a gift. Yeah. And uh, whether he's qualified or, you know, called to it or not, that's something I can give to him. Whether I want yeah. to control him or not, it's... So, so to maybe answer Tim's question more directly when he asks, how did the two of you avoid this trap? I guess what it's going to have to come down to is developing an unswerving commitment to the idea that this local church does not belong to me. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's it's the and, Lord's. And I would say um, a, a continued um, transparency may not be the quite the right word, but just, just an honesty, um, yeah. a, a real objectivity about the scenario to say, if my son were interested in ministry, and if he had an inkling that he might want to minister here, we would just have to have some, you know, real candid conversations to sure. say, is that a wise move? Do, I, do Does it look like your personality would fit here? Um, could you yeah. be a good assistant to me? How would people respond? Um, are, are you are you qualified in that way? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and just have, and not just go, oh, well, you're my son. And so, yeah, I want this for you. No, like you said, I, I want this for the church. And, and is this best for the church? Yeah. And you'd have to be not only able, but willing to parry or rebuttal any potential accusations of something like nepotism. Yeah. Um, and you, I don't know, you may have to go beyond simply saying, well, the Lord's leading me to have my son candidate. <laughs> or, right. you know, you, yeah. you might have to provide more than just a statement like that. You might have to provide some sort of material evidence, some sort of practical reasons uh, as well, why he's really the most qualified person uh, and called of God person for that office there. Let me ask you a question. Do you know, do, do you feel like, do, do you know anybody who is an objective parent? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, mean, I suppose that's a loaded question, really. Yeah, right. Because, you know, objective right, I mean, about what? You know, when, when you're yeah, talking I mean about, about your own kids. kid, everybody I mean. is, I believe, more biased toward their own kids. Yeah, and so it's something that if you're going to uh, if you're going to consider this issue of, of a child in ministry, you've really got to go in it with your eyes open and, and be alert and say, "Lord, now help me to be honest about this situation and about my own children." Yeah. Um, and and honestly, like we've kind of talked about, it's not. I think I think the pastor can play a role in in helping to direct the church and affect its direction for years <clears throat> to come. For instance. Um, Pastor Dietrich chose me as an assistant. 
Well, in doing that, he's saying, I want to groom you. And when it gets to a certain point to say, um, I, you know, you're the one I've trained and I've trained you with yeah. my philosophy because I want you to carry that on. So, I mean, yeah. that's good that that's good that there's that choosing there. But ultimately, again, it is the church. It is God who calls and it is the church who, who votes to say, yes, we want this man yeah. to, to lead our home. And so, I mean, to lead our home, to lead, uh, you know, our assembly yeah. and uh, to feed our assembly. Yeah, and I think it's important to, one final note on this before we get to uh, the second part of Tim's question. I think it's important for a pastor to always remember that when a church makes a decision, it is part of determining the will of God for that thing, how the church votes. Yeah, um, that is, right. there's, you know, the will of God for a church in a decision is a multifaceted thing. But one of the elements of that is, what's the will of the people at the moment? And I think part of that is developing a thinking people. Yes. If they're all, if you're, if you're kind of a domineering, authoritative kind of figure, and it's always okay, preacher, whatever you feel like God's leading you to do, we'll follow you. Well, then, then they're not going to necessarily feel the liberty, or even have, quite have the, the the mature capability of saying, "Hmm, we've prayed about it and discerned it and thought about it, and think yeah. this one should lead our church." Because, oh, sure, preacher, if that's what you think you want, no, develop a thinking people yeah. that are really that are willing to kind of think through this themselves and sure. determine discern the Lord's will. Yeah, good. Uh, on to the next part of Tim's question, then we'll have okay. to move on. Uh, yep. He says, follow-up follow question, do you think a pastor should keep himself and his family from close relationships with the other members of the church? It seems that influential or wealthy families in church are often treated with favoritism, and a pastor may have difficulty dealing with those close to him. Do you want to take that first? Sure, sure. Um, I would say, and it's going to be a surprising no, um, and here's here's why I say that. You don't keep yourself from close relationships um, but you don't you don't instigate the relationship, and what I mean by that is, you don't say, "Oh, I like you. I'll draw close to you." Yeah. But you certainly don't push away those who want to be close to you. Right. If someone draws close to you and, and they recognize, you know, they pastor, I want to I want to know you more, pastor. I want to tell. Uh, I want to learn. Go ahead. Tell them the pizza thing. Um, help me with this. You remember the pizza, pizza thing? thing? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, my my pastor. Uh, when I was in college, he told the story that when he, his pastor, um, uh, you know, years before, had said, uh, or he would say to his pastor, he'd come up after the service and say, what do you want on your pizza? Which meant, I'm buying a pizza and coming over to your house after the service, what do you want on the pizza? You yeah. know, I'm coming to your house. And so a couple times my wife and I went up to our pastor and said, what do you want on your pizza? Right. Um, and, and, you know, we went over to his house because we chose to draw close to yes. him. And if someone is saying, uh, you know, Pastor, we want to know you better. We want to spend time with your family. Well, great. You're not going to push them away. Right. However, as, as a pastor, again, you have to be, in a sense, objective and honest to say, this doesn't mean I treat you differently publicly. Right. Now, that being said, you do, take, you do weight people's opinion differently. Um, not by not by what they give you or how how much you like their personality, but it's by saying how dedicated are they to this ministry? Yes. And how mature are they spiritually? Yes. And I don't you know I don't just take everybody's opinion with a grain of salt. If you've got a if you've got a faithful guy who's been there for for years and he practically pastors himself, you know he's a mature man. He knows the word and he comes to you and says, Pastor, I'm concerned about this. 
you're going to take it more seriously than somebody who shows up once every three weeks and says, right. well, I don't like what do we doing, we're doing in this ministry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, I think uh, going back to the thing you said about the pizza, it does fit kind of the dynamic we're looking at is um, is that you're drawing close to everyone in the same way, but there are some mm-hmm. who may draw closer to you more. Um, yes. In the same way that you wouldn't say that Jesus drew close to all of the disciples with favoritism. But yet people say, you know, oh, what about the inner circle? You know, Peter, right. James, was, and John. Yeah, well, there seem to be a few that... If you if you yeah. look at their particular interactions with Jesus, did they not seem more interested than the mm-hmm. others? The questions that they asked were certainly thought-provoking questions at times, sometimes dumb questions, but but they were asking questions. They were engaged with Jesus, and you don't really read too much about the others really having much to say. Um, where, and I think it's kind of a similar thing, not to make a grandiose comparison of pastors to Jesus, but it's the same idea. You draw close to everyone the same, but if people draw closer to you, well, I'm not going to push them away. Sure. Right. right Invite right. yourself over anytime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now how that, I'd have to say when he's talking about your children, how that, how <clears throat> that intertwines with your children. Okay. So what if your child draws close to another child in the church? Does that, does that give you some sort of an unfair connection to that family? Mm. Well, I don't think it has to. No. You no, know what I mean? You can recognize it. it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can recognize that they have a friendship, they enjoy that person, but it doesn't mean you have to favor that family, right. you know, but it, it kind of goes to the heart of uh, of the pastor, and, you know, I've been shocked before at pastors, you know, be like, why do you do that? I mean, I, that's amazing that a pastor would be that way. Uh, some may struggle with that, with that yeah. being influenced by by certain things, by certain factors, and letting that influence their decisions in, in an obvious and public way, um, but you just have to say, you know, I... I'm supposed to do what's right, and uh, and I'll wait. I'll wait things appropriately and righteously, but I'm also not going to be a respecter of persons. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know that we've. Uh, I don't know that we can answer every angle of that question because it would involve yeah. ad nauseum uh, scenarios. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, let me. Can I throw out a quick question to you? Sure. Okay. I uh, I had just a quick conversation recently with an atheist, and. Um, and I, I have to tell you, kind of when I when I think of that, like when I think of engaging with an atheist, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, I just it, it's just so exciting. It's just fun. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think I think quick on my feet necessarily. And mm-hmm. he threw out this phrase, um, and it set me back at first. Like, okay. Now, honestly, I thought as we were sitting there, we kind of made some small talk, and and I was processing, you know, thinking, okay, how do I approach this? You know, what angle? But honestly, in the end, I decided this isn't the place or the time, uh, yeah. because we were at uh, we were at a funeral. Oh and it's yeah, not, it, it's not my time to say let, let's start picking apart the atheist, you know, right. in a sense. But I appreciated the interaction, and honestly, I would love to talk to him again. And um, and I, you know, I don't. I wouldn't look at somebody like that and be like, oh, man, you, you freak, you know, that you're you're crazy. Laugh, ha, 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 mm-hmm. I mock you. No, I really would want to. I'd, sure. I'd love to get into a conversation yeah. about that. Um, so, but here's the statement he threw out, and I was going to throw it out to you and see what your answer would be to it. He said something like, uh, we, must, we must have said something uh, in relation to the deceased, who was a, you know, godly Christian man, and uh, maybe the hope uh, that we have for the future or something. And he said, well, not for an atheist. Uh, and then he said something like, 
uh, I don't believe in uncertainties <laughs> or I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I don't put, I don't put stock in uncertainties. What would be your response to that? Um, have you been everywhere in the universe? Have you made certain that everything that you think is certain? I mean, how can you, if you've not been everywhere in the universe, you know what I mean? It's it. So, yeah. So essentially you're saying everybody has uncertainties. Well, what I'm saying is nobody can get rid of all the uncertainties, you know, from his standpoint, <laughs> yeah. primarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, if he says there is no God, right? Well, how do you right. know? Have you been everywhere? Have you searched under every rock? Have you been to every galaxy? Have you been beyond the reaches of the universe? No, you don't know. Um, you can't say that's an absolute. Um, so if, if, if he claims you have no evidence for, for God, which is absurd, <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. which we can talk mm-hmm. about secondarily if you want. But if he claims you have no evidence for God, well, I mean, he doesn't have any evidence that there isn't one either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you wanted yeah, to okay. reduce it simply to equal arguments there, however, to yeah. get into the yeah. evidences for God is a whole second conversation. Yeah, yeah. So so you'd basically say that, well, as an atheist, you can't be hardly certain of anything. Especially your own position. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not to be overly snarky about it, but um, well, no, and you wouldn't wouldn't want to be. However, I think at times you can kind of uh, gently, or you know, I mean, you can you can with a good disposition, you know, kind of turn that right back on them, um, and and provide a cogent statement. And and the thought after after having thought through it, some I thought uh, you could you could kind of smile and say back, everybody has faith, you know. Um, That's kind of the flip side of the it, question that right, which is kind of what you're yeah. saying, and and to say, uh, I know we're we're dealing, you know, you're kind of maybe referencing faith, the fact that I have faith in things, that it's an uncertainty, so I exercise faith in it. But you know, let's be real, we all have faith, um, or you know, or something like, uh, you know, or saying something like, what what would make you certain? Uh, you know, what what uh, the first question that came to my mind was, what about Christianity is uncertain to you? Um, you know, anyway, it'd just yeah. be an interesting conversation. And it's not like you want to shut down people with, oh yeah, that's awesome comeback, but just knowing how to handle, yeah. uh, how to handle this statement. Um, anyway, I just yeah. thought that I'd throw that one out are, to you. Are you familiar with, uh, Lessing's ditch? Have you heard of that? Lessing's broad uh, and ugly ditch. You may have mentioned that a long time ago, but I don't remember what, uh, if, uh, let me let me preface it by saying it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of bizarre. It comes somewhat from a, from a secular philosophical standpoint. Um, okay. Hmm. And uh, so I'm not necessarily condoning the use or or really denying the uh, the efficacy of such a thought process, but it does make food for thought when you think about what Lessing was describing this ditch as. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you were to take <clears throat> pieces of evidence. Let's just for sake of the discussion, say there are five of them. <clears throat> you have to look at evidences, let's say, in, in congruity, one after the other after the other, all next to each other. And okay. they begin to point in a particular direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> The evidences themselves really never furnish the exact conclusion. They simply point right. to the conclusion. Yes. So at some point you get to evidence number five, you have to make a leap to the conclusion. And it should be in the direction of where the evidences have pointed. Right. You follow that so far? Sense. Sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, the leap that Lessing describes here is across the ditch. 
Okay. In other words, you still don't know, you, you know, you don't know for sure that you're right, according to Lessing, but you have followed the evidence. So based on a preponderance of evidence, you are right. Okay. Probably the fewer the evidences or the lighter they are, the bigger the ditches. Is that? <laughs> that's that's the idea. But he also proposes okay. the thought that people can sometimes make the ditch bigger on their own. Huh. So you can show them ten evidences in a row, and they still go, "Well, you can't know for sure." <laughs> and I think what Lessing unwittingly pointed out was the concept of faith. Okay, Mm -hmm. so and I know that I I told you this was weird, but he's pointing out the concept of faith in that, yeah, you're following the evidences and you might be following a hundred pieces of evidence and they're still directing you to that conclusion. Someone who says the ditch is too big for me to leap to after looking at a hundred evidences, it's not because the ditch is too big. It's because they're making it too big. Hmm. Does that make sense? And it does reveal, in, in a sense, an unwilling heart, not a lack of evidence. Mm-hmm. And that's the nature of atheism. It's not a lack of evidence. It's an unwilling heart to believe mm-hmm. in the evidences mm-hmm. that exist. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? There, yes. Yeah. And, and, and the interesting you know, counterfact is that there's nothing with more evidence which they can believe. Right. I mean, the, the best evidence, of course, I guess we all have the same facts, mm-hmm. but we would say, look, the evidence points that way. And yet, because it doesn't furnish the conclusion and say out loud, <laughs> you know, then they won't jump across that ditch, which might be like a little, you know, groove in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even uh, you know, one of our, our mutually favorite writers, uh, Jason Lyle, um, would even point to the the concept of looking at evidences and deciphering a conclusion as an evidence in and of itself for God. Yeah, right. Yeah, the whole ability to deduce and reason. Yeah, because there is logical order in the universe proves the existence (laughs) of God. That's uh, Jason Lyle's ultimate proof, as he calls it. That's the ultimate proof. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I think we probably have room for one uh, time for one more question. Okay. Um, Well, I have one in here that I put in this week, but it would be way too long. Um, Okay. This one should be quicker. Uh, this is from <clears throat> this is from anonymous. Okay, yep. um, says I have a topic that you might consider for your podcast. I have been to several conferences where the question comes up: What is God doing in your life? What has He been teaching you? Without fail, my mind begins to reel, and I feel myself going into a panic trying to figure out what is God doing. <laughs> If I can't think of anything, does that mean... I understand the question. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I can't think of anything, does that mean that he's not doing anything and that something is wrong with me? Am I a carnal Christian if I'm not noticing God doing something in my life? I feel like many people, women in particular, because that's where I hear it, often feel guilty because they can't come up with an answer for this. I'd be curious to hear your discussion on this. Yeah, that's a great question, and I can kind of relate to that. Um the way sometimes people word and phrase things and, and you don't fit into that box. And you're like, uh, uh, and then you feel like you look, you feel like you look majorly unspiritual. Yeah. Because you're not like phrasing things or seeing the world quite as they're seeing it. Right, right. You know, well, this, what's your take? I think this kind of uh, would fit into the episode we did way back on revivalism. Okay. <clears throat> There's a similar concept way? happening here. Um, in that Mm -hmm. it's kind of the normal Christian life that you, you are faithful. That's normal. 
okay? Mm-hmm. You are consistent in your walk with the Lord. That's normal. When we're not consistent, that is an aberration from normal. Um, but sometimes being faithful and consistent, we're speaking of the activities of the Christian life. We, we pray on a regular basis. We talk to God. We, we read his word. We study it. We digest it. Um, we worship. These are the regular faithful activities of a normal Christian. <clears throat> Does that mean that every single time I do that, I come away with some wow experience where God no. just taught me something that I never saw before that I just have to get off my chest the next time I see anybody that's breathing. Um, no, no, that doesn't imply that. Um, and this relates to the whole revivalism conversation we had a while back in that, you know, we have these big meetings looking for some powerful revival to happen. When the fact is, if people are simply living a normal Christian life that is faithful, they're a revived person. <laughs> that's that's just what they yes. are. Yeah. And, and I think similarly here, every time you read the Bible, you I mean, what do you what are you gonna think about when you get to the genealogies? Okay. <clears throat> you say, Well, wow, I didn't get anything out of that. I mean, I must be some terrible Christian. Well, yep. you didn't <laughs> right now. <laughs> And I look at it as cumulative in that over time, a, a Christian who's faithful and diligent, Good. at some point in the future, God's going to take what you've learned and he's going to put it together in some way that you'll get a wow from later. Yes. And that's, yeah, I understand what you're saying. All of a sudden, a certain piece will fit in you. Oh, whoa. And, and yeah. it makes, you know, a few connections for you. Yeah. And that's neat. And if you it haven't happen every day. Right. And if you haven't been faithful all along the way, you never get those moments. Ah, Good. I don't know if that yeah, makes I understand. sense. But. Yeah, it does make sense. And you might still get some of those moments, but but yeah, the joy yeah. Of, of 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 that I like that way you said the cumulative cumulative knowledge. Um I thought my as I read that I thought my answer um could be they said, "Well, what is the Lord doing in your life?" say blessing because he's doing that every day, you know, more right. than I deserve. He's always blessing. There's something I can always look to God and say, "You know, I woke up today and I had a pretty good night's sleep, and I have a family, and I sat down to a meal. He's blessing me. You know what I mean? Um, or you could so say something really snarky, like, he's teaching me what dumb questions sound like. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That, that, would I mean, be, yeah. that would be way off base. <laughs> you might be thinking it, but uh, anyway, that's funny. Um, <laughs> it's not really a dumb question. It's... Well, it just yeah, it, it can be a dumb question. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to soften on that I, I a little bit. <laughs> Come funny. on, let me walk back in peace. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> poke, poke, poke. Um, so, yeah, what I understand, are you carnal for not feeling like you having this, you know, this great burden on your heart of immediately the newest thing that he's teaching you? No, I don't, I don't think that's a sign of carnality. Um, I, cause honestly, I wonder to some degree my, myself, well, maybe I should be more convicted more often. Maybe, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I live a, I re- live a relatively peaceful life, pretty steady and maybe I should be convicted more. Maybe that means I'm not studying as much as I should. Yeah. And I, you know, that I, that I think I'm doing better than I am. Yeah. Is that the case? Well, it could or couldn't be maybe, but. Well, have you ever wondered if maybe conviction is kind of like getting the flu in a way 
Like if if you're ah, trying good. if you're trying to I know where you're going with this. Oh, okay, you already <laughs> figured it out. If if you're trying to lose weight, and a lot of people are, right? And uh, and you take it off, you know, very slowly, you know, half a pound a day, a pound a day, maybe at the most. Right. You know, you don't right. you might not feel like you're doing a whole lot, but right. you know, a year or two later, you look at a picture of yourself and you're like, "What? Wow! How did I? What, I don't. How did that happen?" Yes. Yeah. Whereas you know, you get the flu and suddenly you drop ten pounds in in a few days. Uh, you feel miserable yep. and, it, you know, good, you're hurting. Good illustration. <laughs> Excellent illustration. You have to wonder if maybe that's what conviction is like. Maybe conviction yeah. is making up for lost faithfulness. I don't know. Ah, boy. Wow, what a thought there. <laughs> and so somebody comes up to you, you know, you do in the midst of your diet, like, man, what's going on in your life? You're like, nothing. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and then and then you look back in a year and you're like, oh, wow, I guess something yeah. was happening. Yeah. You know, I, my, my mind went to 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, that is the Lord's image, ev- from glory to glory, even as by... <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord. Good. So I can be confident that as I'm—my my pastor says the most important thing you can do is drag your worthless flesh before the Lord, <laughs> you know, and gaze on His glory. Basically, that's what he's saying. And and as you, as you gaze on the glory of God, the Bible's saying you'll be changed. Now, will that always be in like these uh, shock and awe, amazing encounter kind of ways, or again, like you said, over time, as I just continue to gaze on the Lord, can I just trust the promise that he will be transforming me by the Spirit of the Lord, and and I will be bearing his reflection. So when somebody says, what's God doing in your life? You could, you know, you say, well, transforming me, I trust. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's a good but answer. Is, is there, good. Is there some major thing that I'm learning? There may or may not be. I feel like in my life right now, I'm reading a book that is convicting to me personally yeah. in a way that I haven't been convicted in, in some time. Um, and uh, one it, that you're willing talk- to recommend yet. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. At this point I would, I'm, and again, I'm not going to give a whole, a wholehearted one yet. I'm not finished with the book um, and you'd have to process it some, but for me it's called uh, anger and stress management God's way by Wayne Mack. And, uh, and especially to me as it relates to, to parenting, um, and to how that my stress and anger may, you know, come out in reaction to the kids, um, and, and so the, that has been on my my mind and heart. And I've, but I in a way that I appreciate it. Wow, I'm glad God's doing this to me. <laughs> I'm glad He's He's is revealing this. This is something I need to work on, and that's a good thing. Um, so, but but is it always that way? No, uh. it's not like I always walk around with this burden of this is something I need to work on. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you do need to stay faithful. And it's like another one more illustration. You're talking about uh, you could you know you can either slow slow gain or all of a sudden boom you're sick and it's a big gain. You know that's the conviction maybe. Um, is when you're driving along the road, and and if you just notice, we probably do it without thinking, but we just we're, we're just moving the steering wheel a little bit here, a little bit there. We're nudging it back and forth, back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth, staying in between the lines, even on a straight road, um, because we know that if we just strictly held the steering wheel straight, you know, in about two minutes we'd be rolled <laughs> over and in a ditch somewhere yeah. or whatever, um, because it's just those little tweaks that keep you on the road. But if day by day you're you're reading the Word of God, you're you're interacting with the Lord. You're gazing on his glory, and you're tweaking what you see. Um, you know, blessed the, the one who's looking into the, the law of liberty and continues therein. 
and he adjusts his lifestyle and his decisions and his priorities by what he sees, but in small increments, then you know, he's staying in the path. Yeah. You know, there's not this, this grand, oh, I walked into a thorn bush. God, I'm sorry. Oh, heal these wounds. Help me to get back onto the right path because you're staying on the path. Yeah. Um, and so, so are you learning something? Yeah, yeah, you are incrementally learning something, but you're just adjusting as you go. I had, I had somebody uh, that I love um, uh, years ago tell me that basically I don't go forward in the invitation because by the time the invitation comes, I've already done business with the Lord. If, yeah, if, God, if God spoke to her in the service, she dealt with it in the service. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. That's, that's the same idea as, boy, Lord, you're convicting <clears throat> me of that. I'm sorry. Help me, to, help me to do better there and give me the grace. to. And she might be communicating with the Lord right there in her pew yeah. so that there's no need to have to go forward necessarily and yeah. be in an altar because she's, she's, as we say, done business with the Lord because that tweak was done right away. Yeah, and in that moment, it's better to stand on principle and not go forward if you've already dealt with it than to go forward right. just to please some preacher who's watching you from the pulpit. Right. Um, That's true. That's true. It's a hard thing sometimes, but yes, yeah. that's, that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, uh, again, tuning in, listening here uh, to the conversation. And if you have something that you want to share, uh, some, like, like you heard today, I'd li- somebody says, I'd like to recommend that you guys talk about. Well, if you've got a recommendation, share it. Or you say, hey, you guys talked about this. Here's my take on it. Or what about this? You didn't go far enough. Uh, let us know at ReasonTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. That's ReasonTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear those. Yes, and we do appreciate those questions for those of you that sent those topics in today. Uh, We will catch you on the next episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.